Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Let me encourage you to go back, get the podcasts. This series is about how we hear from God, how we tune into God's frequency. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6. I'm going to read from the message version. Hopefully it will come up on the screen. It says this. We, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground. But it's not popular wisdom, the fashionable wisdom of high-priced experts that will be out of date in a year or so. God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined is his way to bring out the best in us, long before we ever arrived on the scene. The experts of our day haven't a clue about what his eternal plan is. If they had, they wouldn't have killed this master of the God-designed life on a cross. That's why we have the scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like it, what God has arranged for those who love him. But you've seen and heard it because God, by his spirit, has brought it all out into the open before you. The spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning, except you yourself. The same with God, except that he not only knows what he's thinking, but he lets us in on it. God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he has given us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God who taught us person to person through Jesus and we're passing it on to you in this same first-hand personal way. That kind of captures what we're talking about in frequency so well. What Paul, the writer here, is saying is this. Look, there's, there's plenty of experts who are coming up now and then. They're saying different things all the time, but we're talking about something bigger than that. Not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of God. I don't know about you, but the world's confused. To me, the world seems confused. Anybody? Yeah? Anyone agree with that? You know, we've got the snap election that's just happened. People are already disenfranchised with politics. We've got Brexit about to kick off. No one knows what to do. The so-called experts of the day don't agree on anything. And I don't know about you, but it seems like every day there's a new theory on space. There's a new theory on our existence. There's a new theory on, on the sea. There's a new theory on what we should eat and what we shouldn't eat. So-called experts coming up day in, day out with this new wisdom. And I think that leads to us being confused. Anybody else? We don't know what's best to eat. We don't know which way is best to vote. If we're all being honest here, we might vote. I'm not about to say my political position, but we might vote based on what we've heard or, or what we might think. But do we really know the best way to vote? I think a lot of us are confused. So what we're talking about in this frequency series is going away from this confusion, this confusion of the world, the high-priced experts, this new wisdom, new experts rising up day in, day out, tuning out from that and tuning in from the voice of God, to the voice of God. See, we get confused when we listen to the so-called experts of the day over the creator of heaven and earth. See, when we tune into God's frequency, it removes confusion and brings clarity. I want to be clear in my life. I want to know which way to go. I want to, I want to know God's ideas rather than my own ideas. I want God's wisdom rather than the world's wisdom. Anybody else? 
Today we're going to look at how to cultivate the right environment for spiritual disciplines. And when we're talking about spiritual disciplines, what we're talking about is this, you know, reading the Bible, it being in prayer, listening to God, worshipping God. You might switch off when you hear the word discipline because to you it, it might be a negative word because it tends to be a, be a bit of pain when uh, with, associated with the word discipline. You might have been disciplined by your parents. You might have been disciplined at school and you don't like the word. See, discipline should be our friend and discipline can be our friend. We heard an amazing guy speak yesterday called Erwin McManus and he was talking about how we should run to pain and on the other side of pain is the person we want to become. If you know someone who's at the gym, I mean, we've got Nud down here on the front. He likes the way, see, he's great in the gym. But someone like Nud will tell you who's in the gym a lot, they'll tell you that to push through, if you want to look healthy, if you want to look good, if you want to gain weight, if you want to develop your muscles, there's actually a pain to get through. There's actually a barrier of pain to get through. It requires discipline to go to the gym day in, day out and build yourself so actually you become healthy. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? And it's the same with our spiritual disciplines, but in a bigger way. When we get in our Bible on a daily basis, when we speak to God on a daily basis, we're building faith and we're building a discipline into our life that actually brings health. And that's what we're talking about today. So it's a positive discipline. Now, before we move on, like, I just want to ask the question, don't you hate one-sided conversations? Like, they're the worst, aren't they? I, I don't know about you, but you might go to a wedding, for example, and people like to be fancy at weddings. I, I don't know why, but people tend to like to put you in a different place. They want to sit you next to someone that you don't know. I'm like, no, just put me next to my friends. They're over there. But no, instead, it's like, oh, we'll put you with this person who you don't even know. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, this could be a great day or this could be an awful day. Like you, you know how good it's going to be within the five, first five minutes you're in, you introduce yourself to the table, you sit down and you're there, you're chatting and you can tell straight away what the person is bothered about. Now I've had experiences here where literally for the next three hours that I'm sat next to this person, I have just had an ear bashing. Like this person is just talking, talking, talking. I can't get a word in edgeways. And let me tell you, I can speak as well. And I'm like, Hey, I, I, I'm here. I'd like to talk as well. But you come away and I, you know, I'd say to my wife, Helen, like that, that person, they just, they just cared about themselves. They just were bothered about what they had to say. You know, that person seemed a bit obnoxious. The reason I flagged that up is this. I think we're like that with God. I think we're like it with God at times. We just talk, we just talk, we just talk. We're so enamoured with what we want to say. And maybe God is, is trying to say to us, hey, I'm here. I want to speak to you. Listen to me. Will you be quiet for a second? You've got to know that what God's got to say is far more important than what we've got to say. It's good to bring out our request before him, but he wants to speak to us. In John 15 verse 4, it's going to come up on the screen. Jesus says this. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. See, the way we remain in Jesus on a daily basis is by applying spiritual disciplines to our life. That's the God-ordained way of remaining in Jesus. I think if you're a Christian here, you would all say, I, I want to remain in God. I want a daily relationship with God. And the way we do that 
is by being in his word on a daily basis, is by speaking to him on a daily basis, is by trying to hear him on a daily basis. Each morning when I come to God, it's like hitting the reset button. I don't know about you, but in my day, a lot goes on. A lot goes on in a day. A lot goes on in a week. A lot goes on in a month. And when I come back to God each day, I get to reset. I hit that reset button. I recalibrate. I tune out from the noise of the world, no matter what, what's happened that previous day, and I tune back into the frequency of God. I get back on his level. You know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in, in what's kicking off and what's going on and things might be going wrong or things might be going great. But we need to tune out on a daily basis from the way of the world and the noise of the world and tune in to the frequency of God. See, I believe the start of the day is really important for this. In the Bible, we see it throughout the Bible that God wants our first. He asks for our first. He wants the first fruits. He wants our first 10%. He says to the Israelites that he wants the first of the, uh, you know, of the, the cattle and all of that stuff. He wants our first. And I believe that if we are putting God first in our life, if we say, God, we want you to be first in our life, the first minutes of our day should be dedicated to focusing on God and getting our minds on God. When I wake up in the morning, I want the first thing that I do, the first words that I say out of my mouth, my first thoughts to be thoughts about, hey, God, I need you to help me today. God, I want to do this with you today. God, walk with me today. God, go before me today. See, I believe what you go to first shows and reveals what you value the most. Do you go to Instagram first in the morning? Do you go to the emails first? Do you go to BBC Sport? Or do you go to God? What we go to first reveals what we value the most. As I said, we're talking about cultivating the right environment for spiritual disciplines. Now, who knows that environment's important? Yeah? Environment is important. I, I know that our pastor here, Stephen Robbins, is a romantic man. It's the uh, you know, it's, is it anniversary this week, guys, coming up Wednesday, 14 years. That's right, yeah, 14 years. Now, I know that some romantic men in Arena Church, and you know that if you want to create a romantic environment for your wife, what you don't do is put the football on, kick your feet up on the couch with your trainers on, sit there with your belly out and your Coke. You know, you don't do that. Like, that's the worst thing you can do if you want to create a romantic environment for your wife. What I've heard, the best way to do it, I mean, Helen kind of knew I was going to say this, and she said, you've never done that before. <laughs> the best way I've heard is, is that you, you, know, you might dim the lights down low. <laughs> you, you might get Barry White playing in the background. I don't know, is that, is that the, the song of choice, Barry White? It's not Barry White for Stephen. It's not Barry White. It's probably Boys to Men or something like that. Oh, so we've come. Anyway, that's this mic. That's what this mic does to me. You know, you set the right, you get the candles on, you get the wine out and you create a romantic environment. Environment is important. And we're going to talk about cultivating the right environment for spiritual disciplines today. So first of all, the first thing, if we want to cultivate a great environment for spiritual disciplines is this, the right setting, the right setting. Luke 5, verse 15 and 16, Jesus says this, or it says this about Jesus. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. 
But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We know that we can talk to God anywhere, but having a regular appointment with God is vital. Getting away from it all, getting away from the noise and the, the mess and, the, and all the stuff of the world is so important. Jesus modelled this. He got away from the noise of the crowd, the crowd that wanted him to heal them, the crowd that wanted him to, to speak into them, the crowd that wanted something from him. Don't we have, we've got loads of people who want stuff from us, don't we? You know, it might be, even for you, it might be those colleagues at work, it might be those friends, it might be even your wife and your kids. But what did Jesus do? He got away to lonely places and prayed. He got on his own and spent time with God. See, this should be, this setting, this should be a regular place where you and God get to spend time alone. We call it the secret place. It's not secret because you keep it a secret from people. It's a secret because it's a place where you get time to spend with just you and God. You might say, but Josh, I I speak to God on a, a daily basis. I speak to him throughout the day. That's cool and that's great and we need to continue to do that. But if me and my wife only spoke in the busyness of our day, we would have no depth of relationship. There'd be no relationship there at all. Because you know what it's like in a day, your mind's on other stuff, you're flying through life. Like I'll text my wife and say, love you or miss you. But that's just a little text. You know, I might call her and have a quick conversation. But to be honest, my my eyes and my mind is probably on the next thing I'm doing. And it's the same if we're just talking to God throughout the day. But the place where me and my wife's relationship has gone deep is in intimate places where we can be alone, where we can talk about our lives, where we can be open, where we can spend time together, where we can really get to know each other. And that's what we get to do in the secret place. The secret place is where we go deep with God, we're completely open and we allow him to speak to us. See, setting really matters. The setting really matters. The way I do it, previously, like we've been in our house for probably over five years now, five and a half years. uh, We've got like an office room upstairs and I always use that, always use that until just recently. For whatever reason, it had become a bit stale to me. Um, It's a bit of a dumping ground at the moment. We're expecting another baby and that's possibly going to be the room where the baby goes. So it just became a bit stale for whatever reason. So what uh, I did is I changed the, the setting. And now I, I go downstairs first thing in the morning. I chuck the kettle on and I sit at my dining room table. It's a place where I can be quiet. It's a place where I can be on my own. And it's a place I like. It's a setting I like to be in. And I look forward to going downstairs and spending that time with God in the morning. See, practically, get a place that you like to do this. A place where you can be alone and make an appointment with God. Don't fit God around your schedule. Fit your schedule around God. If God's first in your life, then this has to be the building block. We can't run around saying God's first and God's the greatest when we can't spend 15 minutes with him in in a day. Just us and God. He can't be first in our life. Sorry, guys. If we're serious about following God, if we're serious about getting to know God, if we're serious about living this Christian life, this Jesus way, then we have to dedicate time to just you and God each day. 
We have to do it. Christian came to me about five years ago. Uh, I can remember it still to this day. We were in the One Call Stadium, actually. It was after a, an evening service that we'd done. And he came to me, and Christian's known me for ages. And he came to me and said, Josh, something's changed. Um, I, I've noticed a massive change in you. He says, kind of, what's different? And what Christian didn't know is that for the previous six months or a year, I've been dedicating to the secret place. I got really serious about spending time with God. And he'd seen a change in me from that. I, I didn't really talk different. I might not have looked different, but there was just something different about me. I found that when I'm in the secret place and when I'm dedicating to this, I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband, I'm a better leader, I'm a better friend, I'm a better person, I'm a better follower of Jesus. See, the secret place will transform your public life. It will make a difference. There will be a difference. See, we're not just following rules and regulations. This book isn't a book of rules and regulations. This is a love letter. This shows us how we, how we follow God, how we can be in relationship with God. We're called to be spiritual beings in this world. And you've got to know when you spend that time with God, you open yourself up to him, you will change. Next thing is this, the right approach. The right approach. See, I, I've got a problem with people who are forever telling God what to do. I don't know if you've met them before. Like, God, you need to do this. God, you have to do this. God, you need to do this. They, they kind of treat God like he's Manuel from Faulty Towers. You know, like they've got the little bell and they're like, God, you need to go and do this for me and do this for me and do this for me. That's just ridiculous. Because doesn't the Bible say that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts? How ridiculous for us to be so arrogant that we can think that we can command God what to do. I find the best environment for cultivating spiritual disciplines is coming in humility with an acknowledgement of his greatness, how big he is, how great he is, not how great I am, but how great he is. We have to come honestly. I, I love that we do this as the human race. Now, I bet every person here has done it. We try and trick God. We try and trick God into thinking we've got it all together. We try and trick ourselves, I think, as well, that we're all right, that we're doing okay, that, that we've got it all together, that we can handle it on our own. But in the secret place, we've got to come honestly. We've got to take our masks off. You aren't tricking anybody. And let me tell you, you aren't helping yourself. Come honestly, come open to God. The secret place is a place where we can be vulnerable. I find freedom and refuge when I'm totally open and honest about where I am. I come super honestly with God. I read something probably three years ago that said to be kind of scarily honest with God. And I try and live that in my life and it's changed me. And you know when you do that, you know when you invite God into the deepest, darkest parts of your soul, he actually starts to redeem them and he starts to change them. Let's be honest with him. See, we come with boldness and confidence, not pride and arrogance. See, boldness and confidence is seated again in his greatness. Pride and arrogance is seated in my greatness. Boldness and confidence is seated in the fact that I can approach God's throne confidently because of what Jesus did for me. Pride comes and says, God, I need you to do this because I'm great. No, we don't approach God like that. We approach God with boldness. We approach God with confidence. We expect him to move. We ask him to move. 
but we come and that is all seated under the banner of, hey God, I can do this because you first did something in me. See, the right approach always has faith to the interaction. I was reading Psalms this morning and I won't be able to recite it verbatim, but it's the Psalm where David's saying, why are you downcast, oh my soul? And he's obviously going through a tough time and he's struggling and he's hurting. But at the end of it, it doesn't just end why you're down, because I stole my soul. The end of it, he says, but I will trust you, God. Our interactions with God, even though they become with honesty, there always has to be an element of faith. What does the Bible say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we want to come with faith. There's been times in my life where I've been going through stuff, where I've been hurting, where it seems like everything around me is crumbling, and I've been honest with God, and I've been open with God. But the response always has to be, God, I know you can come through. God, I know you're a God who moves mountains. God, I know you're a God who's got this in your, you know, you can handle this. You can help me with this. You can come through. There has to be faith to our interaction. The right approach is always to speak and listen. Stephen spoke so well on hearing the, the voice of God and hearing God's voice. So I think we find it a lot easier to speak than we do to listen to God. Frankly, I think we find it hard to speak to God at times, but I think we find it really weird to listen to him. This has to be something that we make a habit and make a discipline. Listening is so key to cultivating a relationship with God. The way my spiritual disciplines look, as I said, I go down to to my dining room in the morning, flick open my Bible, and as I'm opening it, I say, God, speak to me through your word. What does that look like again? Does it mean I hear God's audible voice? No, it means that I just feel something. I love the way the Bible communicates it. It says the still small voice, just something rising up within me. It says, just like a, a little alarm bell. It says, hey, Josh, listen to this. So I'll have my Bible open. I'll, I'll have a pen and, and my pad open and I'll be ready to underline stuff in my Bible. I'll be ready to circle stuff. I'll be ready to take notes. When I've done that, I'll shut my Bible and... I just say, God, speak to me. And I sit there in silence. And this is really hard because our minds all of a sudden are running to a million different things. But we call it focusing our attention on God. And I just say, God, speak to me. And then I try and be silent. And this is a really good habit to get into. And what I find is this, in that time that God refreshes me, that God speaks into my soul, that he starts to direct me. Sometimes I know something's happening, but I don't know what's happening. Do you know that, you know that thing? And sorry, I can't clarify it any better than that, but this is, again, stuff that's higher than our ways and, and bigger than our thoughts. just feels like something's happening in me. And then finally, I'll pray. And I do have a structure to the way I pray. First of all, I acknowledge God. I, I, I basically worship him, but I don't worship him in song. I just say, God, you're so great. God, you're so big. God, you're so strong. And then I confess my sins. So I say, God, sorry for the stuff I did wrong yesterday. Sorry for that thought. Sorry for that attitude. And then I'll be really honest with God. See, keep a short account with God. Don't leave it months and months and that stuff you're struggling with. Just come back to him. See, what condemnation, the Bible said there's no condemnation in Christ. Condemnation, when you've messed up, takes us away from God. It keeps us out of our Bibles. It keeps us out of prayer. It keeps us out of church. But what God does do and what his spirit does do is convict us. And conviction leads us back to God. And conviction leads us to God and say, God, I've messed up, but I need you to help me. God, I've messed up, but I'm sorry. God, I've messed up, but I know that you can do something through me. 
See, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Don't be condemned. There's no condemnation in Christ. Go back to Jesus. Go back to your Bible and say, God, I'm sorry, because that's why Jesus died for you on the cross. Jesus didn't just die for what you did in the past. Jesus died for everything that you've ever, you're ever to do in your future. When you understand that, it changes everything. See, maybe God's trying to say something to you, but because you're surrounded by noise or forever speaking, you aren't hearing what he's saying. Christian and Stephen spoke about the 15 times 30 challenge to take 30 days and spend 15 minutes a day in the secret place with God. If you've not started that, I'd encourage you to test God in it. Try it out. See how you're different. After the 30 days, ask your wife, ask your friend, ask them if they've noticed something in you because I'm pretty sure, I can actually almost guarantee that God will do something in that, in that time if you commit it to him. Finally, the right heart. The right heart. John 5 verse 19 says this. Have we got it? Have we got the NIV down there? That'll be fine. Sorry, I've got the message Bible on stage. Thanks, mate. John 5 verse 19 says this. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what the father, he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. See, if we want to cultivate the right environment for spiritual disciplines, we have to come with the right heart. This is paramount. This is the biggest idea I'll share this morning. The best environment for spiritual disciplines is a heart that realizes I can't do it on my own. See, when you realize that you can't do it on your own, spiritual disciplines aren't optional, they're essential. They're essential to get you through the day. They're essential so you can be good in that meeting. They're essential so you can follow God throughout your day. See, Jesus even says it there. He says, I I don't do what I want to do. I only do what my father tells me to do. Even Jesus modeled this. God in human flesh on earth who walked among us modeled that He doesn't just do what he wants to do. He doesn't live with an attitude of, I do what I want. He lives with an attitude of, I can't do anything without you, Jesus. We walk around so arrogantly at times thinking that we can do everything. We can sort it out. We can can kind of deal with any situation. But we all know that you might be able to get away with that for a season, but there'll be something that comes to your life that just absolutely wipes you out. And what happens then? I want to live in the knowledge that I need God to get through the day. Philippians 4 verse 13, if we've got it up, great. If not, I know it. No, we've not got it. It says this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I think sometimes we walk around saying, I can do all things and we walk out like, yeah, I can do all things. I can set up that business. I can create that relationship. I can change Mansfield. But we get it wrong. We forget that second bit. What does Paul say? He says, I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ. See, the through Christ thing is far more important than anything that goes before it. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But you've got to know this. We can do nothing without his breath in our lungs. 
if we're going to see thousands transformed, because that's what we're believing for here. We're believing to see this town changed for Jesus. It's only going to be through Christ. It isn't going to be through our great ideas. I'm sorry. It isn't going to be through through our, our musicians, no matter how great they are. It's not going to be through me or Stephen or Christian talking. It's going to be through Christ. It's going to be through His power at work in us. If we want to see our area transformed, we must commit to spiritual disciplines because they are the fuel that fires us up. If we get this as a church, we'll see God do things that we can't imagine. The world needs people who are going to rise up with the wisdom of God and will then communicate that to this generation. The wisdom of the day at the moment is, is in the news. The wisdom of this day at the moment is in the schools. The wisdom of this day at the moment is, is uh, in our homes. But we need people who know God's voice, who are going to rise up with the wisdom of God and will then communicate it to this generation. Your workplace needs the wisdom of God. Your family needs the wisdom of God. Your friends need the wisdom of God. This town needs the wisdom of God. Not that wisdom that changes all the time. Not that wisdom that changes from year to year. Not that fashionable wisdom. The wisdom that's been there since time began. Will you commit to the secret place for this generation? Will you commit to the secret place so we can see God move in Mansfield? Will you commit to the secret place for yourself? I'm sorry, but God's not bothered about going surface deep. You just listening to a few worship songs or just coming on a Sunday morning, sorry, it doesn't cut the mustard. God wants to know you. God wants a relationship with you. I can't say it any different today. He wants to go deep. He wants to go deep. Shall we just stand to our feet? We're going to sing again in just a second and I've just about finished. And if you don't mind, just as a, a sign of, of kind of privacy and focus, if you just bow your head and close your eyes. You're not praying, you're just giving people their, their moment. First of all, I'd like to ask, if you don't know Jesus and you're here today, you've never met him before, you've not come into a living relationship with him, but you say, Josh, I want to know him. If that's you today, if you want to become a Christian this morning, I just ask you to lift your hand boldly in the air, if that's you, as a sign to you and God. You want to make a decision to follow Jesus. Great. Great. Is there anyone else this morning? Thank you, God. 